Hello and welcome to Word for the Day. This is Father Pete Matthews from St. Patrick's Anglican Church in Lexington, Kentucky. And on today's Word for the Day, we are continuing our week with sin. Um, we're looking at the doctrine of sin. And in the first episode, we did a bit of an intro. Then yesterday talked about original sin. And let me just say again what, what I want us to get out of that doctrine. And we, we could we could go real deep in lots of different trails around that doctrine, but it's the core idea that we, we inherit sinfulness. We're born sinners. And <clears throat> it's like a, a, a sickness that we have, and we can't heal ourselves. We need an intervention from the outside to heal us and transform us. And this is the fundamental human problem, the fundamental problem in the world. And so in our story, the true story of the world, the Christian story, it's the second movement, fall. But of course, that movement happens in Genesis 3, but its ramifications just just sort of are like little uh, roots and branches that just flow through human history and keep flowing even now until finally the end of the age when Jesus returns. So getting this doctrine right is really important for us. So we talked about original sin. Now today I want to talk about actual sin. So I said... We're not sinners because we sin. We sin because we're sinners. So it's inevitable in our lives that eventually we make the decision to act sinfully. And as our confession of sin in our prayer book says, we do it in thought, we do it in word, and we do it in deed. That's the biblical picture. And all of us act out eventually. And eventually, all of us act out in willful ways. When we're young, we probably do things that we're not fully aware of. So, so there's this sort of, when a child is very young, they're still probably in certain ways acting out of their sinfulness, but they're not aware of it. They're just living. But then there comes a point where you begin to sense right and wrong in your own conscience, and you act out, and you know it. And probably all of us can think of early times in life when our conscience was first awakened by our own actual acts of sin. These are important too. And when Jesus went to the cross, he went to the cross to undo original sin and to die for our actual sins as well. And all of us step into those. So here's a way to think about them, uh, to get into this. So we can think about how God has given us commands. He's given us his law. And in one sense, that's the 10 commandments or all 613 commandments in the Torah. But in other sense, you can think of laws, just laws every time God gives us a commandment of how we're supposed to live. And so in a sense, law shows up in the teaching of Jesus when he tells us how to behave and in the epistles. And there's three purposes for that law. One, it reveals the character of God and his righteous standards. So when I read what, what God commands and what God prohibits, I see God's heart, and I see what he values, I see what's important to him, I see his character, so it reveals that. Second, it reveals our sin. So one of the ways we come to discern that we are sinners is we look at God's law, and it's like a mirror, and it shows us who we are when we compare ourselves to that standard, and we fall short. It shows us we are sinners. One one example I think of might be a little grody, but when I was a kid, we'd always have the once a year in elementary school when the dentist or the dental hygienist would come and visit. 
and teach us all about how to brush our teeth. And they gave us these little pink pills and you chew them up, swish them out, spit it out. And wherever you missed, it's pink. And so the pill shows you how good or bad you are at brushing your teeth. And so the law, God's commands are kind of like that. They have a function that they show us their sinfulness. That's why often, even as a Christian, you read scripture and you may read, Jesus commands this, and you go, I just feel bad because I don't live up to that. That's just the Holy Spirit using God's law and commands to show us who we are. But then for those who have been redeemed by Christ, who've had the intervention of grace, then God's commands show us how to live. So as we're being transformed by grace, transformed by the Spirit, we need to have a sense of what's the pathway to live by, and so we can live that way. So it has a good function in our lives. It shows us how to live, but we do that through the healing presence and power of the Holy Spirit by grace, not through sort of our own self-will and power. We can't do it if there's not healing from the outside. So what I want to talk about is how do we as Christians then think about and deal with actual sin? And there's two things we do. The first thing is we confess and repent of it. So um, every time we commit an actual sin, um, we receive the forgiveness of Christ where we confess it. And the word confess just means to agree with. And then we receive Christ's forgiveness. And this can be an emotional act or a non-emotional act. People have different temperaments. The point is we agree with God. That's what the word confess means, that what we've done is sin. And then we receive the forgiveness of Christ. Now, I need to say this. There's a sense where when we are baptized into Christ, we're covered by the cross. And Christ's cross pays for all of our sin, past, present, and future. So there's a sense of an overarching forgiveness that brings us into right relationship with God, restores our communion and fellowship with God. But then there's actual sin we commit as Christians, and that clogs up our fellowship with God. Does it end our relationship? Now, I know there's a debate about whether people can lose their faith or not, and um, maybe we'll talk about that in the future, kind of my view on that. People have different views. But even if you believe you can lose your faith, no one believes that if I sin today, well, they shouldn't believe that you lose your salvation. That's just not what happens. What happens is your closeness and fellowship with God is clogged. And so by confessing it, by agreeing it's wrong and owning it up to that with God, he gives you forgiveness. And then out of that forgiveness, you repent, you change your mind about it and turn to live a new way. And you receive grace to begin to not live by that sin, which leaves the second aspect is by grace, we work on ourselves, cooperate with God to put to death the, the sinful patterns in our life and come alive with new patterns. And that's God's process of cleansing us and kind of taking out the patterns of actual sin. You could think of someone who maybe, um, you know, for years they were bent over because of a bad hip. Then they get a hip replacement. But you know what? They might still walk bent over because their muscle memory and everything has just taught them to do that. And they have to remind themselves, actually, I have a new hip. I can stand up straight. I can walk straight now. And they have to work that out and practice it so that their actual real posture reflects the healing that's gone on in them. Not a perfect analogy, but maybe that gets at sort of how this works. So, but what we need to know is that the, the sin we inherit went to the cross with Jesus. That's original sin. And the actual sins we commit 
went to the cross with Jesus. Because God's outside of time, from God's perspective, all the ones you don't even know about want to be with Jesus. He paid it all, as the hymn says. So those two truths, original sin and actual sin, those are the condition we're in. And we need a Savior. We can't fix this ourselves. So next episode, I want to talk about the problem of wanting to fix ourselves. And there's a Christian version of that. It's called the heresy of Pelagianism. Maybe a word you've never heard, but I'm going to make you familiar with it. And I hope you find it helpful. God bless and have a great day.